Hey everybody, this is Doug Curtin, the host of Chalk Talk. Before we get started, be sure to go check out platform.com where you can get all of our podcasts. We talk about different things in terms of training, culture, weight room dynamics. Go check out all of those things at platform.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, you name it, at plt4m.com. Today's episode, we have on Sam Breslin, and we're going to be talking hypertrophy or hypertrophy. He's going to tell me how to say it and what it actually means. This is Chalk Talk, presented by Platform. I'm Doug Curtin. Let's go. On today's episode, we have back onto the show Coach Sam Breslin. Good morning, Douglas. Good morning. Always a pleasure to let it rip with you in terms of talking some strength and conditioning. So, we are going to spend our entire episode talking about that magic buzzword, hypertrophy or hypertrophy or hypertrophy. Ah, there it is. This is on the second syllable. Gotcha. So, we are talking about that. Glad we could just get the word down to start. And now, simply put, what does that mean? Because it's something that I think a lot of coaches and teachers talk about or want or use, and kids and athletes, but mm-hmm. we don't always have the, the great definition for it. Yeah, no, it's a great topic because it is something that is uh, a really interesting topic and something that's also evolving quite a bit. But um, I think we should start kind of at the top, which is you know the definition of hypertrophy. Um, you know, long and short of it is simply put, muscle growth. Um, so, fun fact: you're born with all of the muscle cells you will ever have. Um, these are called muscle fibers, um, and they will either grow um, or shrink depending yep. on use or non-use. Uh, so, the shrinking atrophy. So, that's a good way to remember the hypertrophy atrophy. Uh, it sounds very similar in terms sure. of the, the pronunciation. Um, and when we're talking hypertrophy, we're, we're talking about the literal increase in diameter um, of muscle fibers. Think of them as long kind of cables. Um, and they either shrink or grow uh, in size. Um, so we're looking at cross-sectional area of any um, you know, muscle fiber. So we're literally talking about, so um, to bring it all the way back, you know, the bicep. Are you, you know, filling out the sleeves? Is it growing um, as, uh, you know, a total muscle? We think of it as, do your biceps get bigger? Uh, what we're really talking about is, are the all of the muscle fibers in that bicep um, increasing in, in diameter, aka basically just growing larger in total? Right, right, for sure. And so then, obviously, you know, every high school kid is looking for the uh, the biceps and the t-shirts to fill out just like you described and even the football coaches and the coaches that want their kids to feel strong look strong be powerful and and think like oh I want my kids jacked up mm-hmm. are gonna say all right so how do I induce that into our training programs how do I kind of like inject it into what we're doing yep and this is something that is asked by our users um, just people in general, everybody is interested in obviously uh, gaining a whole bunch of muscle, right? It's aesthetically pleasing. It's something that people think is, uh, you know, very powerful. Um, So it's a question we we hear all the time. So I think, um, you know, we should at the end, you know, make sure I come back to, you know, what are the real uh, realistic expectations of, you know, actual hypertrophy? Like what, what can you actually gain? But in terms of creating or inducing hypertrophy, this is the really interesting piece is that in the last 
call it five to 10 years, we've actually evolved um, our thinking on what is uh, the direct uh, cause of hypertrophy. Yep. Um, and so I, I, I took some time you know, last night and I dove into all of the, the relevant research just to see what the you know, conventions are now. Um, and, and why I had to do that is I, I think most people are familiar with um, something called uh, the strength endurance continuum. Uh, which sounds fancy. It's really not all that complicated. We're talking about rep ranges yep. and intensities. So um, most people are pretty familiar with that. If you're you're looking to improve strength, um, you're going to be working with um, you know weights of 85 percent you know relative to your one rep max or higher in something like one to five reps. Yeah. Um, and on the flip side of that, if you want to um, you know work for uh, muscular endurance, you better the ability to, you know, continually perform work, um, then you're looking at something like 12 to 15 or more reps um, at something less than 60%. So long story short, if you want to be better at strength, you lift heavy weights, low reps. If you want to be better at endurance, you're going to strength endurance per se, you're going to lift light weights, a lot of reps. And that actually the two bookends there are extremely well proven we know that in terms of the performance of work you know your ability to exert force against force and strength that's the way you can improve it those rep ranges those percentages same thing goes for muscular endurance um the funny thing is we have always traditionally put in between those two things um the rep range of call it moderate load and moderate reps so you know 60 to 85 70 to 85 percent and 6 to 12, 8 to 15, 8 to 12, whatever you want to call that middle range, we just said that's where you're going to induce hypertrophy. Right. Um, <clears throat> the funny thing is, even though that's been the most long-standing belief, it's not really – it's true and it's not true. And we'll dive yeah, I, I hear 8 to 12 all the time. Yes. Like even in the textbooks, you go read through the, the CSCS and everything mm-hmm. else like that, like – I just will always remember like eight to 12, like that's the, that's the golden rule, but right. maybe not so much or no. So the, the, the funny thing is uh, most of what we uh, believe when it comes to hypertrophy uh, and muscle gain has really been influenced by, I mean, and I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, bro science and steroid culture, right? Yeah. So bodybuilding. Yep. Um, and while a lot of it does have validity, it doesn't really answer the question um, in the most honest and total way. So when push comes to shove, that whole rep range of hypertrophy is kind of more fiction than fact. We'll get to you know, how it also is true. Um, but it's important to note that hypertrophy is not a magical result of just those percentages and rep ranges. Yeah. Um, in fact... We now know that if you account for volume, again, we'll get into all this. If you count for volume, it makes no difference what weights or reps you use. You can induce hypertrophy through any rep range and intensity uh, you want. They're all, they're all created equal. Now, so is that because, and I think I get what you're <laughs> saying, is because you're accumulating almost like at the end product or like the end result, you have a certain amount of volume or mm-hmm. a certain amount of like stress you've put onto your muscles like because that's what I would hear is like instead of looking at it by like the 8 to 12 does your body really know if you ended up doing 60 reps at a certain weight one way or another sometimes like yes you're I think getting that, there that's probably the best way to think of it so um think of it think of it this way um 
the answer is bigger than a rep and an intensity. It's more about, um, as you said, the, the summation of your work. So like all adaptation and exercise science, um, it's what stress do you place on the muscle that induces the change? Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, I think we, we, we've assumed that hypertrophy is its own thing. Whereas hypertrophy is a muscle's response to stress of not being able to perform um, a given workload with complete comfort. Sure. That can be any workload. Your muscle's going to get bigger if it thinks it needs to uh, adapt to be able to perform that work later. So it doesn't care if it's heavy and low reps or light and a lot of reps. It cares, was the total volume of work done um, something that has challenged the current ability? So volume is weight times reps times sets. So you're looking at the total volume of work done. Um, that can be, I don't know, call it three sets of 10 at 185 on the bench, yep. or that could be 50 push-ups. We know the percentage of your body weight press, et cetera. That's about the same, mm-hmm. right? Th- those two things are actually going to induce the same total response because, um, the total work done at the same relative intensity, uh, for total volume, et cetera. It, it's all the same. So, um, Instead of thinking about it in terms of rep ranges, et cetera, think of it in terms of total work done um, and what stress you're placing on the muscle. Um, So can I stop you? Because I think this is where, like, the coaches will have the big kind of question that always comes up. And and we've talked about it in past episodes with, like, Colin and other folks in terms of, like, if you were to almost take out, like, a highlighter and say, like, here it is, this is what we're talking about. Like, do you have any examples – uh, or, or ways in which it can kind of be put into like kind of everyday practice. Like this is what it looks like. Yeah, let, let me say yes and no. Um, first, I think we need to make sure that everybody understands that hypertrophy can occur in every, like again, yeah. every single one of the things we're doing. Sure. Um, so there's two ways you can induce hypertrophy. Creating mechanical tension on a muscle, which would be essentially, think of the bicep curl again. Um, You are resisting lengthening by bringing that bicep or bringing the the forearm to the shoulder with resistance in your hand. So it wants to be down here, you're forcing it to go in the opposite direction. And then the eccentric motion is it wants to go down and you're slowly controlling it on the way down. You You are controlling the muscle to resist lengthening. Yep. Right? It, you're trying to keep it contracted. Mm-hmm. Um, that muscular mechanical tension is going to induce muscle growth if yep. it's beyond the level of capacity that you're at. But you can also right, very much induce it through metabolic distress. Yep. Think of this long, long story short of if the muscle is under fatigue, it's going to experience a very similar kind of internal sensation as the mechanical tension. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, we know, like, you know, a heavy bench, one rep, might feel very similar um, even to you as, like, your 38th perfect strict push-up in a row. Your muscles can't dictate the difference, 
right? So they just know that I am being forced to recruit more uh, motor neurons and, and muscle fibers, and it, it's hard. Yeah. Um, and so I need to adjust in terms of, of growth. And I think that helps. Like, even that, in just terms of, like, pointing it out, like, I think those types of examples go a long way to just say, like, all right, when I'm looking at a muscle under tension or I'm looking at, like, what you talked about, whether it's the 38th push-up or this or that, it's the opportunity for hypertrophy is there. Yeah, it's always there. Right, right? So and I think can, that's an important thing we got to kind of like draw out. A heavy back squat can just as likely induce, um, you know, hypertrophy as your classic 8 to 12 reps at a moderate intensity of like the, you know, dumbbell RDL. Um, the reason that that has become associated so strongly with um, is, is not wrong, right? So the reason is if you are looking to induce hypertrophy, you want to basically maximize your working sets. Yep. So it takes a lot longer to induce hypertrophy if you're working at body weight. You're going to do a ton of reps. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's just not feasible. Um, one, ability. You might just not be able to do enough reps to get to that point. Two, it's going to take a lot longer and you don't have that time in the gym. Um, and same thing goes with the reverse at heavy weights. You're going to have to take a lot of time between sets at heavy weights. So, you know, doing 30 sets of three to get to the target volume that you're looking for is not as, as replicable as, um, you know, something in the, the moderate range. You only have to do a handful of sets. Right. So going back, because I think I, I get it, like with the strength continuum especially, like mm -hmm. really we've landed on that middle range because in a lot of ways it's efficient. Is that a fair thing to say? Yes, you can do it in the fewest amount of sets and reps in the gym. Yeah. Right, so you have enough weight that it's not doing a million reps, and you're you're doing it light enough that you can perform a bunch of reps. Yep. Um, so that you're not doing a, whole, a lot of sets. Um, long story short, it's the more work you do, the more challenging work you do, the more muscle growth you'll get. Now, before people go out and just say, I'm going to go everything to failure, I'm going to do as much work as possible, there is absolutely a law of diminishing returns. Yeah. Um, there's actually, I mean, people have come out with like how many reps you should do at a moderate load per body part per day, per week. That's like 74 or something like that. Whether or not you adhere to it strictly that way or if you just, you're smart about it, you know, you you have to always include recovery um, in your consideration for you know how much work you're going to do. Yep. Um, but if you think about it, if you put a lot more weight on the bar, you're going to be able to do far less sets, far less reps per set, which means to get a total amount of work done, you're going to have to do a lot of sets, which is harder to do. Yeah. Um, that's why you know strength can absolutely induce hypertrophy, but it's not going to be the easiest way to do it. Same thing goes for um, you know, your, 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 your low intensity body weight volume stuff. Um, it's certainly capable of, that's why, you know, if you see somebody that's only ever done push-ups and sit-ups and, and pull-ups, you can, you can create some muscle. Yeah. Um, but it's not the easiest way to do it. And it's so when you're looking bang for buck in a weight room, you know, a lot of the time that you're, you're creating hypertrophy might come around at, you know, eight to 12 at, call it 65 to 75% yeah. maximal capacity. So when you, to bring you all the way back, that whole highlighter thing, yeah. it's easiest to go ahead and circle those movements, mm -hmm. right? Like, hey, here is our um, you know, barbell RDL, single leg uh, elevated split squat at X percentage with this reps. 
it is palatable to people. We're going to do four working sets at this percentage in this rep scheme. That's for hypertrophy. Um, I think that's the easiest to show. Um, but again, it's not just about that rep range. Right. And, and even if you were somebody that's like a bodybuilder and you were training just for hypertrophy, they tell you, don't just live in that rep range. Yeah. You've got to go to the, the big three with heavy lifts and you've got to go the, the lighter stuff as well. It should exist, uh, you know, kind of throughout the spectrum. Um, and that's why we do as well, especially for athletics. You know, your functional hypertrophy is going to be something more relevant than just static size gain. Um, so we don't only want to live in that, um, you know, 65% uh, world. We're going to do some things like, you know, body weight volume to failure um, so that you induce the metabolic distress that creates some of that uh, additional hypertrophy as well as some of the other added benefits. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a good place to just take a quick pause. Um, mm -hmm. We've definitely gotten into a lot of it. And what we haven't touched on yet, and it's kind of the both what some people want and what some people really don't want and yeah. that's bulking up so we're going to take a quick break we're going to talk about a few other things on the second half of the show but sit tight and we'll be right back while we're taking this quick break a friendly reminder to go check out platform.com that's p-l-t the number four m.com uh, we talk a lot about our programming on this episode and just uh, strength and conditioning in general. But if you're interested in more from articles from Coach Sam Breslin, he has a whole library of different uh, things that he's written and are featured on our website. So go check him out at plt4m.com. And with that, we'll jump back into the show. All right, we're jumping back into the second half of our show on hypertrophy. Right, Sam? Yes. Still, am I getting the right way? Good. Um, we talked a lot about the front half of the show in terms of rep ranges and different considerations of weight and reps. And really what we landed on was we want to consider the volume, right, mm -hmm. of, of what we're doing. I want to spend the second half of the show and, and kind of dive into a little bit about that fancy word or not so fancy word of bulking up. Some coaches want it and it's the, hey, I want my offensive lineman to bulk up. Other coaches say, well, you know, my female athletes or my X, Y, and Z athletes are nervous that if they come into the weight room, they're going to bulk up. And that often gets associated with this type of stuff that we're talking about. So, mm -hmm. you know, what, what amount of that is fair in terms of the correlation or the consideration of hypertrophy and bulking up and how much of it is maybe a little bit of a myth? Yeah, um, I think if you wouldn't mind, I would say to even before I answer that is, um, you know, defining hypertrophy for performance is probably very worth it uh, because I think a lot of people um, get caught up in the aesthetic yeah. so side of things. Um, hypertrophy as it pertains to, you know, truly just muscle mass gain isn't wildly relevant to your on the field performance for athletics it has its place functional hypertrophy exists if you if you gain more muscle you're going to be more durable yeah right? we, we, we know that um and it's also very much a function of strength and strength endurance right we already talked about that like hypertrophy exists for a lot of reasons what i think people get tripped up on is i think the first thing i hear all the time, and again, I'm a high school football coach, so I'm not calling anybody out. High school football coaches are enamored with the idea of I want to get my guys huge. Right. Give me the the the, the program that's going to get the biggest gains, bro. I want big dudes. I want big arms. And 
the issue with that is twofold. One, it doesn't really account for any actual performance related item, right? I'd much rather care about strength or strength endurance. Um, that being said, um, the second part of that is there's a futility involved in thinking that you are going to perform a program that's all of a sudden going to change every single person that, that is performing it into a monster. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, um, your size, your actual size, like how much muscle you have, how you carry it, is really genetics driven. You have a frame. Yeah. Right, you have a general kind of weight range that you're going to live in, whether you're, um, you know, heavy on muscle or light on muscle for you. But I'm never going to be a cut 250, right? That's just not possible. Even me gaining five to ten pounds would take a year plus of extremely concerted effort um, and nutrition, and then I'd be maxed out. Right. You unless go. I'm going to go take something else. Yeah. Right. So again, the... let's make sure we understand that most of like hypertrophy culture is influenced by steroid culture. Yep. Um, so understanding your limitations are important. I, I read something during the research for this was uh, I really liked. Somebody basically stated that um, you ha your genetics is your starting point. You can either go up a level from that or down a level, but you can't jump three levels ahead. Right. So I'm not going to become somebody that's Gronk. Yeah. There's no program that's going to do that. I'm never going to have that much muscle. My frame is my frame. It can only hold what it can hold. Um, and so I think it's more important when it comes to the, the football coaches or, or any athletic coach that says, I just really want to get my guys really big. We can improve that athlete. That athlete has a frame, has a potential. Do you want to be the best version of that? Right. Or do you want to be a lesser version? If you're saying that I want to take this person that's 200, he's six foot, he shouldn't really ever be 250, right? To get to 250 is easy. It's overeat, but you're not going to be in any way, shape, or form athletic. Right. And I think what it's I always muscle. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's a good point. And and what I think happens at the high school level, especially, is like you see kids and using your one step up or one step down. Like you see kids that are probably at the step down, and you're like, the means of me getting them to the step up is to do a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of that strength training and, and hypertrophy training. And, and that's not meaning whether it's right or wrong, but that has just been kind of what you we've hammered home into like the understanding or false understanding of like a football coach or any other coach. Don't get me wrong. It's not just football coaches yes. to say like, this is how I'm going to get there because a couple kids. And I think you, you probably will get to this is like, if it worked for one or two kids, it doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. Well, so that's the thing is I think everybody kind of misconstrues the effect that, you know, the kid that is one. So your genetics actually play a role in how you respond to training. Mm -hmm. Some kids just eat up training and they're, they're workout warriors. Yeah. Right? You know, those people, they exist. Um, but some people don't. And to say that there is a program that will adjust for all of the different, you know, starting points and everybody's going to reach the same, the same end goal physically is just not true right i can now I, again i want to i want to be very clear though um when we say like step up a level that is monumental absolutely right, right. And so you see those kids and you know like oh my god like i this yes is, it's 
that untapped or if we get them on the right program. It's setting realistic expectations, but your expectation can be that every single person on this team is going to be the best physical version of themselves mm -hmm. is wildly impactful on the field. Mm -hmm. But saying that every lineman we have or every kid that I want to play line should look like this is silly. Right. And it's just not possible. Um, unfortunately, you know, gaining lean muscle mass is one of the single hardest things to do for the human body, period. It's really easy to lose it. It's really easy to gain bad weight. Gaining good weight's hard. Yeah. Some people it's easier. Some people it's harder. But for the most part, it's not super easy and you're not going to have you know, unlimited potential. Yep. Um, so I think that's important to remember for, for coaches is to not look at the aesthetic visual goal. Um, what you look like is irrelevant. Right, so let's just improve across the board what you are capable of. Hypertrophy will more or less take care of itself in that sense. Mm -hmm. Right, you're going to gain what you can gain. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really important point when it comes to the coaches that ask for, give me the program that's going to get me this looking athlete. Right, and I think that well, you've already kind of fleshed it out, but I think it is probably one of the more common things that would hold people back from going into the weight room or getting into a full-fledged kind of strength and conditioning regimen or, or build towards that. And like, we all kind of know those audience that say like, well, I don't want to bulk up. Like that's the other side of the coin. And I think the same kind of explanation helps, but there's also a few different ways. Like I don't, I don't yeah. want to like, right. So bulking up again, like that whole idea that the aesthetic or physical gain of muscle mass is somehow like wildly large, um, even when you're trying to, is just false. So I know a lot of like endurance athletes, cross country, um, it happens among the, the, the female athletic population a lot because of you know societal expectations of how you're supposed to look, etc. I don't want to go into the weight room because when I lift weights, I'm going to get big. Um, and really, uh, there's, two, there's two facts. If you do any sort of resistance training, hypertrophy will exist. Yeah. But it's only going to exist in your particular, um, call it circumstance. Nutrition, to get, we just said, gaining muscle is very, very hard. So if you're a cross-country runner, your caloric expenditure through all of what you do outside of the gym plus in the gym is very, very high. Just maintaining your body weight would require a whole lot of ingesting food. Right. Right. You have to eat a whole lot. Right. So to say you want to gain muscle, you have to eat a ton. And if we say you want to gain muscle, so you're eating a ton, you're still capped at what you can actually gain. Most of those people are in, you know, of frames that are just not susceptible to a lot of weight gain. Mm -hmm. Right. And your genetics will play a role there. Not least of which is if you flip it to the whole, uh, you know, question of female athletes, you need, and this is why the, the, the steroid problem, the steroid culture is a problem is the reason that hypertrophy is so influenced by steroid culture is you need steroids, whether they are in, you know, injected or internal. So if your biochemistry is such that you don't have super high levels of testosterone or growth hormone, which again, for most females is much lower than boys, um, you're not going to pack on mass. Yeah. It's much harder for you even to start. Um, and so I think the fear of bulking up is, is unfounded is again, you have a frame. You can either go up or down in terms of your performance and your, your aesthetic is going to change kind of 
in relevant terms. Right. And I think important to consider and sort of to, to summarize a bit is that it's not only what you're doing in the weight room, because that's a small part of it. It's genetics, which yes. is a huge part of it. Nutrition, which is another big part of it. Like, And then your physical activity outside of the gym. Right. Because it's, again, like we're talking about high school athletes. They're not the Arnold Schwarzeneggers that are spending all of their time in the gym. They're going to practice. They're running up and down fields. They are, like you mentioned with the cross-country example, layering in all these other things that are putting mm-hmm. them at a deficit that they couldn't just all of a sudden bulk up over. Right. So, like, let's let's – you know, make the, the counterpoint of the, the football coach that says, I want my linemen to be huge this year, so I'm not going to have them do – and the, the way to do that is, like, their normal workouts, but, like, now I'm not doing any work outside of the gym and I'm overeating. Yeah. So if you have to do that to induce the most muscle growth, but at the same time you're, in my mind, you know, basically um, taking away from potential future performance because you are out of shape, you are putting on bad weight – if, if that's the way to induce the greatest amount of growth, then the fear of bulking up should be relatively unfounded. Right. The issue is that we all live in our kind of silos where it's like, I'm worried about getting big because I see those guys getting big. And these guys are going, we're not getting big enough because I want a certain <laughs> yeah. aesthetic. When in reality, it's just like you work out to improve your performance. Your body type is going to be influenced by your genetics, your nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want, you know... Uh, you know, to be toned, it has nothing to do with what workout you choose. It's what did you do with your diet? Yeah. And I think what's, what's important and, you know, almost separate to this conversation is that, like we've talked about with a lot of things, is that your workout, especially for a lot of kids that do maybe want to lose a few pounds or get a little bit more mm-hmm. toned, is a good driving factor to get you motivated for all those other things as well. Like, you know, w- it, when we look at it as like, well, I started working out and then I all of a sudden became X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, let's take a step back. You also probably did a lot of other things because you were more driven, motivated, and goal-oriented yes. around working out, but you started to incorporate some of the other things that come with it. Well, 100%, and I'd say even, not more important, but if you want to tie it back to the, you know, in the gym, like your goal might have been at first an aesthetic, aesthetic thing. Like I want to look a certain way. But when you realize what you are improving in terms of your own physical capability. You know, I know, everybody in our office knows, when you start getting into training, it might be for vanity to start, totally fine. Like you wanna look Get you in the way. door. But when you start, once you're in there, everybody eventually gets driven, for the most part, on what, what, what do I wanna be able to do? Mm-hmm. What I want to be able to do that. Let's go. I want to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Um, I want to be capable of X. Yeah. Uh, and I think especially when it comes to training athletes, like let's toss aesthetics out the door. As coaches, we shouldn't even be even remotely concerned about it. It should be like, uh, you know, let's promote. Hey, you you can now move this much weight, which is now translating to this vertical jump, right. which is now translating to this sprint speed. This, you know, you are now capable of this much, you know, work in terms of a capacity standpoint, which means you are in the fourth quarter dominating. Like, that is what we should care about. Not, hey, you've gained 20 pounds of muscle this offseason. Right. Or, hey, um, we don't want you to gain any weight because we think it might detract from your performance. When in reality, the person that's never strength trained, that's an endurance athlete, that goes in, we've done this in a previous podcast, Colin lists all, like, Every single thing that's good for you know an endurance athlete improves. Yeah. So all of a sudden, um, like um, Coach Contois, right? Yep. But, uh, you know, just everybody did it for the first time. Everybody improved. Right. 
So let's forget about what we think every athlete should look like and start thinking about what they should be capable of uh, because that's the biggest determining factor for success and also just like, you know, self-worth. Yep, for right? sure. Like for what sure. I look like shouldn't matter. What I'm capable of certainly can. For sure. Absolutely. And I think that's a good place to stop. Um, I think we've kind of run up on, on time here, but but certainly a good conversation. So um, what what Coach Brez was mentioning, and we'll, we'll be sure to link it out, is an upcoming article from a coach in Virginia. He's a cross-country coach. Um, he also runs a lot of the weight training classes and started to see a lot of success with his cross-country athletes as they got into the weight room for a lot of different reasons. And, and he kind of talks about we don't put running and cross-country and weightlifting and all of those things together. It's a, it's a great quick piece that I think everybody should go check out. But uh, Coach Brez, before we wrap up, anything else? Or? Uh, I was just going to say, um, you know, I know this was both high level and rambling uh, because there's so much to this, this topic. It's very nuanced. There's a lot of like, well, what about this for us? Right. Or this is what I'm, I don't understand, or this is what I want. So I would just encourage like, you know, sam.breslin at platform or comment or post or whatever. If you have questions that are specific, like, Hey, yeah, I understand that hypertrophy is this, or I don't understand this, and I'd like this. You know, reach out to us. Like, I don't pretend to be the, the the supreme expert that has done all of the studies. I'm just trying to collate everything that I've read and experienced with my own athletes. Yeah, and putting in the practice. Um, and, and and then and I love you know having more feedback from other coaches. So please feel free to join the discussion. I'd love for this to be you know even more roundtable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we would be more than happy we have upcoming podcasts with all sorts of people that will be either you know virtually sitting at the desk or quite literally sitting at the desk with mm-hmm. us but we would we would love that i think that's a great call to uh, wrap up the episode so thanks a lot for tuning in um if you need to reach out or you want to reach out like coach Brez said uh there's lots of different ways you can do it but easiest one is just go to platform.com and there's plenty of different ways that you can get in touch with us so with that thanks again and remember at platform we're always in pursuit of better